Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, welcome to My First Time, a mostly sexy sex podcast from Broadly. My name is Zing Zing. I shouldn't enjoy this kind of stuff because it reminds me of things that happened to me when I was raped. I'm not going to lie, this is going to be a tough episode. So I just want to throw out a content warning for rape and domestic abuse right now, so you can choose whether to proceed or not. But I also want to talk about why we thought it was important to cover this on my first time. Nearly a third of women in the US have experienced domestic violence, and almost one in five have been raped. These numbers are from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, who ran a survey in 2011 consisting of 12,000 phone interviews. That is a lot of women. But unless you're a survivor yourself or you're close to someone who is, you might go your entire life without ever hearing what it's like to go through an experience like that. But I think it's good and valuable to be able to sit with someone and understand what it's like to go through something like that and come out the other end. You might find it difficult to listen to, but I hope you'll learn something by the end of this episode. And that's why I asked feminist campaigner Sophie yates Lou to come on the podcast. When she was younger, she went out with someone who was both emotionally and physically abusive and who raped her. She's going to talk about what it was like to have sex after that relationship in her own words. When I was about 16, 17, 18, I started becoming like interested in sex. But I didn't actually have any sexual experiences really until after university when I was about 22. And that was kind of a mixture of like, I went to an all-girls school. I didn't know many guys and I was straight at the time. My mum is also kind of like quite traditional and like put up a lot of barriers to that. And so kind of her approach to it and the fact that I'd gone to like a girls' school where like focus was on kind of like morality or what they saw as morality, I just kind of like never got the chance. Um, But then once I started to have sex, there was also this kind of like shame based around it. And then move on like about five years and I started getting more involved in like feminist activism and reading about that kind of stuff. Now I'm completely like the opposite and I'm like, you know, we should be as open as possible and I'm like willing to speak about my sexual experiences. Sophie was young and she was excited to get into a new relationship, which I think is a feeling that most, if not all of us, can sympathise with. 
But as with all relationships, she didn't know the score until she was in it. The person who I was in a relationship for those five years, we were really similar and we had a lot of interests in common. How he came across to me when we first met and also like most people most of the time was like he was really sweet and gentle, um, kind of camp as well, which I think people didn't expect um, because during that five years, I didn't really tell anyone about what was going on really, but I hinted at it or a few people knew bits. Uh, once I came out of it, I started being really honest about it. And we had obviously a lot of mutual friends that were like completely shocked. You now, like I never thought he would uh, be the kind of person to do that. He had a lot of mental health issues, which people kind of like had recognised, but they never thought he would like take that sort of out on me. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I found it so difficult to leave is that there, he had kind of like two sides, you know. Before Sophie gets into the details of her attack, I'd just like to flag up again that some people may find what you're about to hear upsetting because it's pretty violent. We had had like a really bad argument and um, he was kind of like looking for a way to sort of like punish me, I guess, or like teach me a lesson. <clears throat> so he was working at a bar at the time and he texted me saying, can you come to see me on my lunch break and I thought oh you know he wants to try and make up or we're gonna like talk about things um but what he did was he told me to go like outside there was like a wooded area behind the bar he was like I feel bad I want to have sex and I was like well I don't really want to it's like behind this like dingy bar that you work in um and it was the middle of the day as well it was like 1 p.m maybe and he was like, I don't care. He was like, just like, get down like on your knees. At first he was like, told me to get on my knees and like forced me to like give him a blowjob. So he just like forced himself into me. Um, and then he got me to turn around and like had sex on me. I was crying at the time um, as he was doing it. When I look back on that now, it's quite obviously, even though he asked me to do it and I did it, that's not like consent for about four years like I didn't really uh I didn't make that connection I I never said like oh, I've been raped I never thought that just felt kind of used and a bit sort of like dirty I think not that like the context or setting of any kind of like sexual harassment or rape makes it any better or worse um but what like kind of made it worse for me was the fact that it was kind of like outside and like and the fact that it'd been like he was doing it to kind of like make himself feel better, but also punish me. And like in a way which kind of like I knew he f made me feel degraded and he was like sort of aware of that. So I just felt all of the things that I guess that he wanted me to feel. Not all abusive relationships involve rape or sexual assault. But what is common is that most survivors don't think the person they're with will turn out to be as unpredictable or violent as they eventually do. And it's something we'll come back to later in the podcast. I just thought, you know, we're in a relationship and this is just like an extreme argument or like something which might happen in an extreme argument. I think the fact that it was my first relationship and that I just was like kind of really inexperienced with relationships in general kind of like definitely meant that I was kind of like more keen to hang on to it and also more forgiving of things which I thought might be kind of normal within relationships. I kind of, I'd had 
boyfriends when I was around 16 or 17 for like two or three months and that was it. A lot of people I'd known had been in like quite long relationships by the time um, they're in their early 20s but I kind of had nothing to compare it to and because all throughout university I did want to be in a relationship but it just never happened um, so I think that made me more willing to cling on to one um, when I did get into one because I was like oh you know imagine if I have to be single not that there's anything wrong with that but at the time I was like imagine if I have to be single for another three years after this. Sophie was young she was in her first long-term relationship and it had turned violent She didn't at the time have the vocabulary to understand it as abuse or rape, but she knew that she was unhappy. So she did something that you might not necessarily expect. I think having that brief kind of like fling, it definitely made me feel like empowered. Um, It felt like something I was doing for myself and also kind of felt like in a kind of like nasty way, like it felt like kind of like a sort of, small bit of revenge like even though he didn't know it was happening um it was kind of like it felt good to be doing something for myself and kind of like something which I knew that he would hate me doing as well. Listening to Sophie it sounds like cheating was something she had to do she needed at least some brief respite from her relationship. So when I was seeing this other guy the abuse was continuing it was pretty much the same. It was um, just physical by that time. So after the first six months that we were together, there was no more sexual violence. It was just all like, you know, he'd do stuff like hit me or like um, throw stuff around, bits of furniture and that kind of thing. Um, so, but that carried on like throughout and, um, it was, well, it was like throughout the relationship. Um, this issue of like being able to afford rent was like huge. A lot of the times only one of our names would be on the contract of where we lived. And like a few times it was like me and I was kind of like worried that we lived in like various places. I think we lived in like six different places in five years. I was kind of like worried that he would just like leave and not pay, uh, you know, any portion of his rent. In hindsight, like I probably could have scraped together the rent or like, you know, if I told my family, I'm sure they would have like supported me. But I was just kind of like didn't want to like seek help from that kind of support at the time. Sophie's abusive partner kept finding ways to pull her back in. But by this point, she was well aware she needed to get out of the relationship. Our contract um, where we were living was coming up to the end of the tenancy. And I was like, I remember having the conversation. I was like, I don't think we should renew this. I didn't say that we should break up, but I was like, we should live separately until we can sort our problems out. My plan was to just break up completely, but I was kind of like nervous to say that. So I kind of like pretended like, oh, you know, we're going to come back together at some point. But after, you know, it's better. So that kind of gave me a really convenient like timing like and and like, yeah, deadline on it. When you're younger, sex can be difficult to figure out at the best of times, let alone when you're dealing with complex trauma like Sophie. You need at the bare minimum a partner who's able to listen and understand what you've been through. The first time afterwards, it was nice that I was with someone who I knew was completely safe and like being completely like appalled at like what had happened to me and like 
had been like serious about it and hadn't just kind of like brushed it off. And it felt good that it was kind of like finally, like, you know, I'm able to have sex with someone who like understands stuff around like my safety and like consent and stuff like that, um, which it had been lacking before because, well, I'd been having sex mostly with someone who just didn't care about like consent or not with me anyway. And then the person who I'd had a fling with whilst they were never abusive to me they didn't take what was happening to me seriously so I feel like they didn't really think about that kind of stuff either. Sophie spent five years hiding or only ever half alluding to the abuse she'd been through. It was a long process to even acknowledging that she'd been raped and an even longer process to figuring out how that affected the way she looked at sex. After we broke up um And I started to be more open about it Um, quite quickly. I started being really open about it. So I've like spoken to, you know, like national newspapers and um, everyone within my Facebook and like campaign groups. You know, I've like spoken on behalf of like refuge and stuff like that. So I went from being kind of like quite really secretive about it for five years to being like completely open about it. And that meant for the first time I was thinking about the fact that I got raped so I didn't really say that I'd got raped until like four or five years after it happened um but because I hadn't really thought about it that opened up a whole new thing where I was kind of like revisiting the memories and like what it felt like and why she happened and just like vocalizing that um meant that it was just more front of my mind and you know I'd think about it like when I was I got into a, a relationship Uh, with someone else after I'd uh, broken up with this guy we talked about it together as well like at the time I still wasn't sure whether I was calling it rape and my new boyfriend was like you know what it definitely is Um, so it was just a time when it was like front of my mind and then because I'd started a new relationship and I was having sex again it those two things together I'd like think about it like whilst I was having sex which was kind of not great but also um I noticed like I would start comparing or like not exactly being triggered but things would like remind me of like things so like rape isn't always violent but I would say mine was in that like I was kind of like physically forced and things that I would do sexually after this would kind of like remind me of that so stuff like you know if um, someone puts like their hand on the back of my head or pushes my face into a pillow or something like that, it would like remind me of it. But those are still things that I kind of enjoyed sexually. And like I was really conflicted about that for a while because I was like, I shouldn't enjoy this kind of stuff because it reminds me of things that happened to me when I was raped. And for like a while, I felt quite guilty about that. And I, I for like a good few months, I was like, am I kind of like fetishizing like things which happen to me which are like not right and I just felt really like a sense of shame around that and I thought oh you know I'm really I just kept thinking I must be really messed up because I'm like enjoying sex which is recalling things about my rape but then I tried to put it out of my mind and I tried to think you know there's no point in like punishing yourself like even more I basically used to think I enjoy these things because I've been raped and I'm making some kind of weird, sick connection between the two. Now I'm kind of realising that actually, like, 
aspects of sex which are like more rough or like involve like a kind of like someone being dominant I like I actually enjoyed those things before I made the connection that I was raped and I think I would have enjoyed those things or I enjoyed the idea of them before I'd even had sex um so I don't think it's necessarily because of that for a long time I was beating myself up about liking those things I was like well, I like I've been through five years of such a like horrible situation I'm like why am I why am I trying to like analyze myself and like blame myself for stuff Sophie's story is horrific and it obviously still affects her now it's not a first time that she wants to repeat and she wants to stop it from happening to anyone else and that's why she campaigns to raise awareness around issues of abuse and violence my advice for anyone who's experienced uh, sexual violence or domestic violence um, and is entering a, a new sexual relationship where it's good um, definitely just be open about it I find now that like there's times where I really want to talk to my current partner about things sexually and I find myself thinking oh no that's a bit awkward and that's something I'm working on myself like I'm not perfect at it and I think even as like open as I am se- about things like sexually, it's still kind of like, it can still be awkward and like to be kind of okay with that awkwardness, but not that that be a barrier to you talking about it. Thinking about what's okay for you and what you kind of like might not want to happen. For example, if there's certain things sexually which are like triggering to you I think it's completely fine just to say I don't want this to happen but also not um well for me personally um I don't know if like other people experience this but like not beat yourself up if you do find things enjoyable which are also slightly triggering I think if you've experienced sexual violence um a lot of the time people who have sex after that they are reminded of it that doesn't mean that you should like try and avoid having sex if that's what you want to do definitely but if you want to have sex and if it is slightly triggering I think that's kind of like unfortunately a bit normal and if you're like the partner of someone who's been experienced sexual violence I just say like make sure that they know that you know you're willing to like listen to what they want I'd say like try and create the environment where they can speak out about it um, but don't also like push them for information. Some survivors don't want to talk about it. Like not everyone is like me and like just talks to anyone about it. Personally for me, that was like really helpful in my healing but some people are much more, you know, they deal with it internally or they'll, you know, see a counsellor and be more private about it and that's fine. So just respecting that and realising that it is kind of like hugely important and like... Like survivors often think about this kind of thing all the time, not just when they're having sex. You know, there's certain things which will remind me of like the sexual violence or domestic violence I experienced, which are completely like mundane, like, you know, a certain shade of like uh, a certain colour coat, which will remind me of it or like a certain like table from Ikea, which like, you know, is like really common. And like every time I see it, I'm like, oh, great. I'm reminded of that. So like... Those kind of things are constant and not just like happening in the bedroom. Before we end, I'd just like to thank Sophie for sharing her story with us. If you've been affected by rape or sexual assault and want to speak to someone about it, you can call Rain's hotline in the US on 800-656-4673. If you're in the UK, you can call Rape Crisis on 0808 802 
Thanks for listening to My First Time, a podcast from Broadly. My name is Zing Sing, and I'm the UK editor. This episode was produced by Sam Bonham. If you've got ideas for future episodes, first time sex stuff, get in touch. Broadly.editor at vice.com. See you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.